This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hello, baby. Welcome to the Smart People Podcast. Sit back, grab a drink, tune in your brain. Ask not what your country can do for you. This nation will rise up. Hello and welcome to Smart People Podcast. I'm Chris Stemp. And I'm John Rojas. We're doing it a little differently today. Today we're going to do no editing, no cuts. If we screw up, you're going to hear it for both the intro and the outro. There's a very important reason for this. John and I are in a rush on our way out the door to go visit the greatest place on earth. Disneyland. Disney. No, I'm just kidding. It's Disneyland for adults. We're going to Vegas, baby. Woo! Hangover 3 will be coming out in theaters as soon as we get back. So anyways, this week we also do it a little different for our interview. We're interviewing Justin Bitterello, and he is the founder and creator of the Fogel Brothers. What are the Fogel Brothers, you might ask? What, John? You, you might ask. Yeah. What is it? Yeah. They own a food truck, and they serve Indian food, and it's in Washington, D.C., which is our stomping grounds. And so we'd like to consider this episode kind of a pop culture lesson, if you will. If you're in a big city, you're probably well aware of what a food truck is. However, if you're in the burbs somewhere, uh, you may not have heard of it, but it's something that's going on all across the nation, and it's incredible. I don't know if, John, you want to give the listeners here a little idea more about food trucks? Yeah, sure. Basically, it's food on a truck. Yeah, but I mean, I mean that, that's dirty water dogs, way. it's different than that, you know? No, absolutely. So I guess in the D.C. area for the past year or so, there's been this huge explosion of food trucks. They're essentially mobile restaurants. They cook awesome food. They have an awesome environment. People stand around waiting for this. They check their Twitter to see where they're going. It's just a really fun thing. It differs from sitting down. You know, when I'm at work, a couple of my buddies will be like, oh, let's see what trucks are in the area. And we go outside and stand in line and just hang out with the people out there. It's, it's pretty cool. That's true. I actually, because I've had an idea for a food truck, which might come out soon. So I'm not going to tell it over the air or anything. But so I've done some research. I went, stood in line, talked to a bunch of people. And it's just this really cool environment. And the food is is I mean, it's good stuff. It's, it's phenomenal. Better, yeah, it's better than you're going to get at your Subways and your Quiznos and all that. So, And it's about the same price, and it comes to you. So it can't get much better. And the scene in L.A. and New York City is already massive, and D.C. is just kind of catching on last year. And the Fojo brothers, they were actually one of the first trucks, if not, I think, the first truck in D.C., full food truck, not, you know, little food cart. And uh, one of the one of the first ones in the country. So we really got lucky being able to talk to the guy who created all of it. 
And what you'll find out, we'll give you a little more background, is um, they're called the, the uh, what is it, Traveling Carnival or Kitchen Carnival or something? I, I believe that's right. Yeah, that's their idea. And, and they'll have performers outside of their truck, literally doing like acrobatics and juggling and music and all types of stuff. They're, they're trying to bring this, this circus environment to you. And they wear, you know, wigs or something and mustaches. It's, it's, it's an environment and an experience and food. So it's really cool. He's a smart guy, entrepreneur, you know, uh, restauranteer, all that good stuff. So we're going to turn it over to Justin here in a minute. John, you had something to say? Yeah. And as we mentioned, we're going to Vegas, so we'll probably come back pretty broke. So uh-huh. if you guys could help us out, head over to smartpeoplepodcast.com, click the Amazon banner at the top of the page, head on over to Amazon, buy your, your Christmas presents, your Hanukkah presents, your whatever you're celebrating presents as you normally would. Give us a little kickback. We won't use it to replenish our gambling debt. Uh, actually, yes, I will. We'll use I will. it to fund the podcast. Don't okay. worry. All right, fine. Plus, it's not enough to replenish any gambling debts, I promise you. So please check that out for all your holiday shopping. Also, make sure to check us out on Facebook at Smart People Podcast. I also wanted to say we did get a couple people call in to our voice message line, and it was awesome. We will uh, play those in some future episodes when we have some more time. But like I said, we're, we're taking off here. And, yeah, and just a quick thing on that point. Those that did call in, you know who you are. Please do me a favor. Send us an email at smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com with your address. I've tried sending messages on Facebook, but I don't think they send from the page. So if you don't recognize the name on there... Go ahead, send us an email, give us your address. We want to send you guys some stuff. Yeah, because we want to send you a book. So we appreciate everybody that contacts us, whether it be through Facebook, Twitter, our website, anything. It's awesome. We enjoy talking to you guys. We're going to turn it over now to Justin Vitarello. Learn a little bit about pop culture and the food truck craze. Today, we welcome to the show Justin Vitarello, the founder and creator of one of the most popular food trucks in Washington, D.C., known as the Fogel Brothers. Justin, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks, guys. Yeah. And uh, by the way, I I had to do some research prior to this interview, so I went and tried out your buttered chicken, and it is incredible. (laughs) Hands down. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's amazing when you... uh... How, how much people will just crave for uh, just a butter sauce and not even chicken on it. So yeah, we think we're, yeah. we're on to something with that. Yeah, I think you are. Anyways, we tried to educate people during the intro to the show, but many people across the nation, especially those not in large cities, are extremely unaware of the food truck mania that has entered many of our large cities, such as D.C. and L.A., New York. And the Fogel Brothers was one of the first food trucks, not carts, but trucks in D.C., if I'm not mistaken. What gave you the idea to do this? How did you go about starting all this, the courage to kind of do something different? Well, I mean, I, I, I think I think when you when you really take a, a step back at where uh, where the world was and where where our country was ever since essentially uh, the end of 2001, the world at some level has been at war. You say we've we've been at war with with uh, with other countries, and there's been in our country there's been a lot of internal internal bickering. I think there's a lot of people see it. There's a lot of a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense, um, arguments and, and kind of lobbying interests, and lobbying will always exist. You know that's the way the world works. But right now I think a lot of people are kind of fed up with 
the bickering in the war, and I think that you know, what, what happened with with us was that we thought it was a a good opportunity to to add a, a whimsical element to our hometown, and to have people kind of step away from their devices and kind of walk into the into the imaginary and the make believe for a, a point in time in their life. And I think people have have picked up kind of what we're putting down. Um, for those people that are not, you know, in smaller cities that may not know what's happening, is a lot of people depend on social media to find out where these trucks are, which, you know, it's it's kind of ironic in the fact that we were the first in D.C. and one of the first in the country that we didn't start out day one with any social media account. Um, we, we actually thought that this was going to just kind of, people were going to pick up on it based on us driving around and, and word of mouth kind of really guerrilla grassroots movements. Um, but then once we, we, we decided to kind of latch on to what was to the, the Twitters of the world, I guess Twitter is really the only one we, we, we use. Um, we use Facebook at some level, but really to tell where we are, uh, Twitter is the best place. And as long as our website, but I think it's, it's kind of it's a little bit ironic that, you know, you see a lot of trucks now that are starting out with social media account, accounts months in advance of launching it. And that was not, our original kind of inspiration intent was just to kind of take advantage of how communication is being used now. It was really just to do something that was whimsical and was meaningful and it was involved a group and not an individual. So that's where we came from. I guess I was going to get into this a little later, but since you mentioned it, how you guys are trying to create this kind of alternate reality just for while people are eating and stuff, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Fogel experience and the food and kind of the basis for your business? Well, the, the Fogel Brothers, we're a traveling culinary carnival. So everything we do is based on kind of this mission and vision. Um, it's for, for, for other people, it's, it's a movement into the, and, and a walk into the imaginary. For us, it's, it's our life. <laughs> but we, I kind of thought that through this concept, it would it would it would be kind of a catalyst or a lubricant to to get people together, to have people, um, like I say, not be on their devices, to to be interacting with people in line. One one thing a lot of people kind of don't understand about the food truck movement is people actually like to wait in lines. Um, they like to they they they, they don't want to wait forever, uh, but they also don't even just want to get their food because it's kind of a little miniature social network right there and a time for people to catch up, whether it's from stuff at work or stuff they're going to do that weekend or stuff they did before or what they did that morning. I think it's actually kind of the line itself is actually kind of integral to the interest that people have in it. Kind of kind of moving moving into our kind of the, the experience element you were referring to, it's, it's all based around the fact that we're moving, that it's based around food and the kind of carnival element is, is the creative wild card for us, which we all really appreciate and, and, and look forward to kind of interpreting each each and every day. We essentially throw an event every single day of our life. Um, there's different characters on the trucks. There's different food that's being served from different from the different trucks. We can be playing different types of music. We can be interacting with offices. We can be interacting with art galleries. We can be inter- interacting with inner city youth. We can be, I mean, the, the mobility of this of this world is, is the beautiful part about it, but it's extremely, extremely difficult. But it involves really having kind of leadership uh, across the board. And, and having people be flexible with their time and, and a commitment, essentially, like I say, to like a mission and vision. You know, if you don't have people that are committed to a certain mission and vision and don't have a buy-in, then you're really not going to be able to execute that, and that won't, in turn, come across in the eyes of people who are receiving it. 
Now, I was going to ask if any of you or your partners had any background in the restaurant industry, but now that you've brought up this performance piece to it too, do you guys have backgrounds in the performance arts? I mean, is this something that's always interests you guys, you know, performing in front of people? Because it, it seems like every lunch can just be a, a, a show. Yeah, it, it, it is. Group itself has kind of a very diverse uh, background from from performing arts to music to athletics, just kind of, uh, I would say, type A, but all people would have their own kind of like uh, interpretation of and kind of interest within that. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, we have some of the, some of the best um, acrobats, some of the best jugglers, some of the best athletes, some of the best musicians who are all part of this. And, you know, for us, we, we look at each other when we go out each day and we're like, man, how do we get next to each other? How, do, how did our lives converge and it was all in the spirit of this mission and vision and you know i think it's it's really about it's, it's about self you know a lot of people want to talk about creativity i can be creative it's i i i you know where, where fogel is is it's we can be creative you know we, we believe much more in group creativity and, and, and an emphasis on individual expression you know on the food on the food side not as many of us kind of come from a food background we have chefs and, and people who are uh, helping this operation move um but you know we were more kind of heavy on the, on the, on the type A personalities, but you know, those same people are in the kitchen cooking, uh, prepping, securing the food, all those different types of things. So it's, it's pretty, uh, it's a circular existence, I guess. What do you think has kind of driven this food truck movement that's happened across the entire nation in, in a relatively short time period? I mean, I think now there's, I don't even know, 60 food trucks in DC or something. So it's, it's kind of crazy. What do you think happened in order to allow that and why is it succeeding so well? Well, I, I, I think I think there uh, there are a number of different uh, reasons why food trucks are of interest to people. I think number one is the kind of spontaneity of it, not knowing what type of food, and in some cases, what type of food, what type of personality will show up at my doorstep um, or near where I am. I think that's that's of interest to people. Uh, I think the price, with the economy where it is, is of interest to people. I think generally the speed uh, to be able to get something pretty quickly uh, is of interest to people. Uh, but I think it all, it all kind of really, really stems to the fact this is something that everyone thinks they could do. You know, and for, for a lot of us kind of questioning what are the next steps? How do I, you know, if I were to start a business or I were to do something with a friend, how, how, how would I do it? It's, the, the food trucks are something very tangible that people can kind of, you know, they, they either know somebody who started one, so it makes it possible or, or they've, you know, looked into the process and the money to, put one together and they say, well, I can do that. So I think kind of like essentially in these food trucks, people see themselves kind of, you know, it's also kind of, as I said before, people actually like these lines because it kind of gives them some time to uh, interact with their, um, their friends and just interact socially outside of, you know, the walk to work, the walk back from work, you know, the time in, in, in your cube or everywhere. Talk about what people do in offices now, you know? And, and it's funny, too, that you mentioned the lines. And another one of the things, when you're on Twitter or you're on Facebook and it's a Tuesday and you're like, oh, the, the Fajol brothers are in town or in this area. This is awesome. I can't wait to get it. I see a lot of that on my Twitter and my, and my Facebook where people, because you guys are only in certain areas on different days of the week, there's almost this limited time aspect to it. Absolutely, yeah. I I, th I think that you know it, it touches on a lot of a lot of core kind of um, I don't know what you call them <laughs> things that are very very uh, relative to, to being to being human <laughs> and understanding kind right. of 
uh, how, 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 thing, how things work. You're not going to get everything, you know, something that you can't get. You want to go get it while you can. It's a, it's a chase and a, you know, a game, no different than if you're possibly buying something online. They sometimes, you know, they go through the psychology of people who are trying to buy something online. Sometimes there's bargain shoppers. Sometimes people do it for the sake of the hunt, you know. People have to go through a process to go to a food truck. They have to coordinate with their friends. They have to, you know, and I think that that process um, with friends is, is is something they're interested in in doing. But like most beautiful things, you know, everything you love at some point in your life, you'll have to say bye. But we'll have to leave at some point. <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to turn the car on at some point. We can't, as much as we like to stay there forever, we have to we have to move on. You know, our, our main inspiration outside of kind of what I was talking before about how the world being at war and a lot of bickering within this country is a big thing for us is kind of activating spaces and, and, and making space, public space, space we all pay for, uh, essentially, more vibrant, and that's you know we were we were the ones who kind of pioneered and, and went to, went into parks in D.C. and we put out blankets for people and you know the, most trucks are now kind of aligned by all the parks, realizing that's a that's a nice place for people. And it's just at the end of the day, it's a great it's a great use of our of our public space. Now, do you see your customers interacting with with you guys and with each other through the social media stuff? I mean, do you recognize people on Twitter who? who tweet at you guys every day and want to see how you're doing or where you're at, that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a, a close connection. You know, a lot of people will, will kind of engage with them in their in their virtual persona, and then we'll, they'll say, you know, I'm so-and-so on Twitter, you know, whatever it is. I mean, we get the close connection. You know, these, these trucks, another kind of point I'm, I kind of make, it's along the lines of affordability. It's these, these trucks are also of interest to people because they're, to me, they're the last bastion of kind of the mom-and-pop stores. I mean, the only real estate you see going up anywhere right now is usually a bank or a CVS or a subway, and none of these are are mom and pops. To the contrary, they're they're probably opposite of. So I think that the mom and pop kind of connection uh, is, is something that that will you can never take away from these trucks and the owners. And I think that's really what what ultimately wakes you know helps everyone wake up in the morning and, and go ahead and love what they do is the fact that. That they're, they're they're building kind of connections and relationships. Relationships can even develop outside of the interaction and the and the, uh, the exchange of money and food that happens on the street. I mean, there's we're getting closer to the people that we are uh, communicating with on other levels that are that are not just related to to kind of how we originally met. Justin, you know, you talked about how a lot of people see themselves in these trucks, and I I totally agree with that. As I've said, I've thought about the food truck thing, and I'll talk to friends about it, and they have ideas. Everybody has the ideas, but you actually went and did it. And on this show, oftentimes, we talk to entrepreneurs, people who have taken the road less traveled or, or taken risks and things like that. How did you, I guess, turn this idea into a reality? And even more so, were you worried about what if it doesn't work? What if... I'm wasting my time. Yeah, I mean, you really have to have a mission and a vision for what you're trying to do, I think, uh, with anything. And the people who do something first are the ones that people, you know, it's high risk, high risk, high reward, I guess. I felt as though, like people feel now, that it was one of those, the costs to start it weren't uh, as large as other as other uh, possible businesses outside of, you could say, software, but then that whole world is extremely competitive. But... It was, you know, merely having kind of <clears throat> going through my life in my early 20s and working in, working in, you know, office environments. And I went to Brown University and kind of felt like I had had my, had my kind of intellectual training and, and kind of had my some, 
some practical kind of, I guess, business office type work that was happening that was kind of complementing some things I did earlier and played a lot of athletics growing up. And I just thought to myself, if I don't do, you know, do something now, I'm going to be having kids. And like anything else, the one thing I would advise everyone is it's going to take much longer than you think it's going to take and it's going to cost a lot more money, even though it was cheaper than other alternatives. But <laughs> it, it's, it's basically, I wanted to do something on my, you know, that was, that was kind of a, my own expression uh, of my time on this earth, I guess you could say it as, as holistically as that. And, you know, my, I come from an Italian family and household where food was always a, a kind of a lubricant to get everyone talking about the serious things in life and as well as the funniest things in life. And I said to myself, you know, how do I create an environment where people where it's both you know, serious and whimsical and what does it look like? And how do essentially I take my, my, my life inside the walls of my family? How do I take that in and express that to what's happening um, you know, out on the street. I mean, my family doesn't dress up and wear mustaches and stuff <laughs> like that. But there are some subtle uh, connections to how I was raised and, to, and, and interpretations of what we do on the street that make that uh, that made what we do in the street a reality and, and, and relevant to my real life. A wise man once told me, "It all comes down to to guts and courage." And you know, if you really if you really don't have those, then don't do it. You know. I know specifically in D.C. I found this interesting. Food trucks are still governed by the old laws put in place to regulate ice cream trucks. And I thought that was just, I don't know, that's just hilarious to me because I haven't even looked at an ice cream truck in 15, 20 years. But, and there's been a lot of talk recently about food trucks impeding on brick and mortar restaurants and stealing their businesses and things like, or stealing their business. How do you feel about that? And, and do you think there will be any changes to existing laws? Yeah, I mean, there, there, there are regulations that are currently being, I think they're going to be kind of put out there for public comment and review sometime soon, but the old rules and how they were being kind of put together are, are certainly not compatible with today's world, you know, although it's kind of the weird thing is you need to be kind of hailed down or have a queue of people that are interested in what you're doing. You almost think from that angle, they were thinking and had the foresight that there'd be something like Twitter where you can actually connect those dots. Because otherwise, if you don't have that kind of communication, you know, who's randomly looking, you know, on the uh, side of the street at random time and saying, oh my God, there's an empanada, let me get one. It, the technology has actually helped viewed as an, an older rule and actually enabled a lot of people to operate underneath older, you know, older rule and older rule. But I mean, it, at the end of the day, the rules will be, we'll see what happens with, with the rules and, you know, the restaurants and, and the trucks, they all have their own kind of reasons why, what they, what they believe is just like any other kind of interest, you know, it's different interest groups of sorts. But I think at the, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you know, this is, there is a way for this to work out for everybody. You know, I think what you're seeing in D.C. is everyone, people want to be outside. People want to be, whether it's restaurants, having more outdoor space. The beautiful part about Washington, D.C. is our height limit and that we get more sun than anybody else that I know of that has the amount of people in this city. So why don't we use this to our advantage and let's let's have people out. Let's have people on sidewalk cafes and, and in parks and, you know, let's use all the, uh, the sunlight and essentially the public dollars that we have here and, and enjoy the city. You know, I, I think it's funny that the restaurants are pretty much lobbying to get to get you guys out of, I guess, you know, their space. And I just look at this as, as a food truck, you're offering a great experience and really good food, especially at a cheap price. And these restaurants are, are threatened by it, but I'd love to see you guys sticking around well, and not really getting impeded by anything that comes out. Sure. I mean, the, the thing about a lot of these restaurants is the ones who predominantly, you know, are serving serving lunch 
not the kind of more upscale ones that maybe we're not, you know, competing against is one is our business. When it rains, there's a lot of, there's only so many. We have one serving window. Washington, D.C. has the shortest trucks in the country. We're not, trucks in L.A. are twice as big. They can have a to-go window there. We can't have any of these different things here. So just from a physical size, there's only so many meals that we can move out of these. If you go into Corner Bakery, there's probably eight people at the kiosk. So there's a competitive advantage that, that, that they have. You know, they have, weather, they have weather elements that people are not going to consider us the number of people they can have physically in their space selling. I mean, there's a lot more volume that they can that they can put out there versus us. They can be doing prepping in the morning. You know, this is, you're kind of, at some level, you're kind of talking about an apple and an orange. We're just, we're not food trucks or food trucks, restaurants or restaurants. You know, I always say this, you know, let's say we all decide at 5 o'clock to be by a park near a restaurant that normally wasn't open, and all of a sudden, people come out and after work and they're there eating then you know and we're the one who causes this threat and, and the restaurant says well I might, I might want to turn my lights on too because it seems like there's just even too much demand from the trucks you know and us creating markets if they want to come to an agreement they're going to give us a you know percentage of their proceeds if we help a, you know kind of create a new market for them so I mean I think for them they just got to revisit the business plan they should try a little harder I would say. Is there anything that you want to plug I mean if you go ahead and tell our listeners your your Twitter your website, anything else that you guys have planned for the future? I mean, feel free and, and just uh, plug away. Okay. Well, I mean, we, uh, we, we love what we do. Social Brothers has a you know, very committed group of folks that are really trying to give something to the world that we think is, is not out there. And we appreciate every single person who's, kind of, who's chosen to come up to our space and experience life with us. So just kind of a thanks to, to everyone who, who kind of follows us, whether it's come to our truck or follows us virtually. You know, we can host up to 1,200 people at any one time. So if you're out there and you're, you're looking for a group of people who are there, kind of who are, who are committed to the food and entertainment business, we are, uh, we are that group. All right, everybody, welcome back to John and I. We're going to do a quick outro here. Just wanted to say thanks for listening. Make sure to tune in in the future. We already have two fantastic guests lined up next week. We're interviewing both of them. We'll actually shoot that out on Twitter, so if you guys want to ask them any questions. And I'm also uh, going to turn it over to John here to talk a little bit about how we're going out this week. All right, guys, so... When I was checking our Twitter, I came across one of our followers who I was completely blown away by, and we decided to go ahead, give him a call, do a quick little listener interview. So please enjoy the following interview. All right, so today we'd like to welcome a new listener, Alex Leapart. Alex came across the site. I noticed him following us on Twitter. I checked him out. He had a lot of cool websites. Alex, what's going on, man? Hey, not much. Thanks for having me on. You want to go ahead and just uh, give us a little bit of background about yourself? Yeah, so I'm 14. Um, I basically run a few sites on the web and uh, design websites and iPhone apps on the side. I came across the show just as a following suggestion on Twitter, actually, and I uh, followed you guys and checked out your podcast and just was pretty interested in what you guys were doing. So you say you're 14 and you do design iPhone apps and all that kind of stuff. How did you get into that at, at such a young age? When I was about 10 years old, I actually went to my grandma's house, and she's a complete crazy person about Macs and Apple. And I played with her computer a little bit, and um, I was just open to the door of Apple and really interested in what I could do with Apple's technology. 
Yeah, I try to get Chris to move over to Apple. Most oh. of my stuff's Apple now. He doesn't buy into it. But <laughs> I knew where that was going. As soon as he mentioned it, I was like, oh, God. I still barely understand computers, and I've been using them for like 15 years or more. So at such a young age, how did you go about kind of – I mean, you basically taught yourself, I would imagine, right? And if you did that, yeah. what tools did you use? I really taught myself software by just playing around with it and messing around with it until I figured out what I needed. I didn't really – go to any training courses online or any of that. I just kind of taught myself by messing around with it and after many trial and errors, figuring out what I wanted to do. Because like, okay, for example, you say, you know, you've created or, or you do create iPhone apps and everything. And I honestly, I couldn't tell you the first step towards that. I have no clue how that world works. So what do you go to YouTube and type in like how to make an iPhone app or, you know, like I don't even understand the process. For the iPhone app, um, Apple has a great center for developers where you can read up on the very, very basics. And I did buy a few books, and I just kind of Googled stuff as I needed things and just learned along the way. The equipment to do this stuff is not cheap. How did you go about you know, getting the MacBook Pro or the iMac or all the equipment, the photography equipment, just anything that you needed? For Christmas in 2008, I was fortunate enough to actually get an IMAX for Christmas. And that's what really jump-started um, all my endeavors and all my projects that I'm working on right now. In 2008 is when I really started getting into web design, which is my original uh, dive into all of this. I originally did a website for one of my family members, and uh, some of his work buddies saw the website, and it just kind of passed along, and uh, I ended up doing multiple websites and I was able to make enough money off of that um, to buy more equipment and uh, more resources. And I, I wanted to talk to you, Things Designed Well is one of your websites, correct? Yes. Now, what inspired you to do this? Because this website for me is, is awesome. I love tech products and just any consumer product around tech out there. And you post, I guess on a daily basis, a product and what you like about the design. What inspired you to get involved in in design? Originally, it was um, Apple. And um, I've just always had such an appreciation for uh, just beautiful design. And I've always kind of understood that the better the design, the more usable it is and the more enjoyable it is. And I'm all for enjoyable user experiences. To this day, I, I'm always looking for neat stuff I just really appreciate great design, and um, I figured if I appreciate great design, there must be other people out there that also like um, just browsing through things that are designed well. So um, I just started a – this was basically a, an idea I had one night and uh, bought the domain and set it up as just a small little side project. I, I just want to, I, I guess, just say well done, <laughs> I, I am yeah, truly you. blown away. Very, very impressed. And and just keep it up, man. This is this is awesome. Thank you. Hey, let me jump in here real quick. I, before we go, I wanted to ask you one more thing. Seeing how basically the world is your oyster from here on out, where do you plan to go? Where do you, what what's your plans for the future? I mean, do you want to take over the world or anything? You know, I've had a lot of different ideas. You know, when I was little, I wanted to um, open a kind of restaurant and ultimately do the marketing for that. 
Um, another thing I wanted to do when I'm older is do something kind of like the Nest. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yep. That's uh, a, a brand new thermostat yeah, by the creator of the iPod. It, it's amazing, Chris. Just to let you know, it's a, it's a Wi-Fi thermometer that you can control with your phone, your computer, and that kind of thing. So when you're coming home, you know, raise your temperature, lower your temperature, and it's a beautiful uh, pro- I mean, it just looks amazing. Thank you for, for dumbing that down because I've never heard of it. You're but. welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, and so I want to take analog technologies and old technologies and innovate in that market and make it something enjoyable to use. That's such a remarkable way to look at things. So, Alex, I mean, do you want to go ahead and plug your, your Twitter or your websites and just let everybody know where they can find information on you or follow you? Yeah. Um, so my main website is alexsleepart.com, and I have an about page on there um, that will link to all my other projects. My biggest other one right now is thingsdesignedwell.com, and then I'm on Twitter, twitter.com slash alexsleepart. Awesome. Thanks so much, man, and we really do appreciate you listening. Thank you.